0: We're at the Breakfast of Champions. We're live at the Money Matters Conference. I'm doing the world's first live meetup simulcast on every single platform and teaching it myself by doing it myself. Uh, We're on BYOQ. Bring your own questions. I bring the answers. If anyone wants to come meet up with us, we're in Indy today, uh, but we will be in San Diego and Orange County next week. We have meetups and dinners. We invite everyone. And then we're in New York and St. Louis. Email me, david at dmelter.com. If you want the open-ended question guide, the five daily practices, or my book, all you got to do is email me, david at dmelter.com. This is The Playbook. BYOQ, we're going to take the first question. All right.
1: So David, we were at dinner last night, and room was asked a question, what keeps you motivated? you lose motivation sometimes. Apparently, I was one of the few that raised my hand. That was honest. So full disclosure. Um, And I also heard the term serial entrepreneur last night. And I feel that's where I'm always starting new activities, different businesses I'm always doing. But at a certain time, I lose that motivation. So what do you do as you're yelling melting the world? How do you keep and sustain your
0: motivation? I love it. The question is, with that... The question is with everything going around yeah how how do i maintain sustain get up get back up get started get back started with motivation and inspiration so there's two components of this one there's is a difference between motivation and inspiration being in spirit is something that you are of all time at all time motivation is the ability to use fear in other things. So inspiration can't use fear. The fear interferes with your inspiration, but fear will get your ass up. It will get you started. It'll get you back up. It will get you back started. And so I think first, the understanding of the difference between what motivates us and how we we utilize our inspiration or maximize our inspiration. So I'm okay using fear to get me up. And I do it sometimes. The majority of the time is working out for me because I meditate, which puts me in a certain state of mind, which is counter intuitive and aligned with working out. So I go from this ease into it's 430 in the morning and I have to exert extreme physical uh, energy. So I use fear, fear of dying, fear of not living long, fear to get me out of bed. And I'll even tell myself, First five minutes suck. You can quit after five minutes, Dave. I give you permission, but you're going to get out of bed and, and you're going to work out for five minutes. And if it sucks, you're going to quit. I've never quit and I've never finished a workout and said, I'm sorry I did that. So it's interesting. Now, I think the more important thing is we can get motivated to get up, get back up, get started. But how, how are we utilizing our inspiration? And for me, it's identifying the fear in having faith that I'm inspired all the time. The biggest paradigm shift of my life is based on a simple best choice option of faith that there's something bigger than me, an omniscient, all-powerful source at all times. So if I don't feel inspired, then I must be interfering with my faith, right? It's different than going to get motivated, go get inspired. It literally is a question of faith. So for me, it's a practice of saying, okay, I got a lot, right? He's overwhelmed, he's overwhelmed, these people I'm helping and I got very few minutes because I want to be productive, accessible and gracious. Now I'm feeling overwhelmed. That's not inspiring. (laughs) And it leads to procrastination, depression, anxiety, worry, all these different things. So in my mind, I say, hold on a second. I am, I get choked up because I am, because that's coming through me right now. I, I am connected to like so much power, physically proven, scientifically proven, how much energy I have in my pinky. My mentor, Bob Proctor told me, Dave, you have so much power. You can light up all of Indianapolis with one pinky. What are you doing to interfere with it? And it's fear. So then I separate, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of from the past? What am I afraid of from the future? And when I identify what I'm afraid of in the past and or the future, then I ask, what do I know about human nature? When humans are afraid, what happens? You guys, a lot of people here in person are doctors. When you are afraid, your ego kicks in. So dinosaur used to walk by a cave. The ego would kick in and say, I'm going to fight the (laughs) dinosaur. I'm going to flee the dinosaur. Probably right? I'm going to F fornicate with the dinosaur. Probably not. <laughs> Maybe when he kills me, he might do it to me. <laughs> right? So, and as we fight, flee, feed, right? Or or fornicate. Now, today we prescribe ego that does the same thing. So addiction is a feeding. It's a fear that we're reacting to, that we're feeding ourselves. That, that That's literally, see, It's in the innate being of the ego, those people that have addictions, it's your reaction to fear and you're feeding yourself. Sometimes we run away. Fighting, how do we fight today? I need to be offended, judgments that are based on opinions of ignorance. These are all innate. So when we take a deep breath for a second and say, I'm not motivated today. Well, first I gotta make sure that fear, I can use it to get me up. But then I got to use it to get out of my own way with faith. All right. What am I afraid of? I have a need to be offended a need to be right, separate, inferior, superior, not worthy, angry, anxious, worried. You know, how much money, time, emotion and value people waste on these ego based prescriptions that are just redefined fighting, fleeing, feeding or fornicating. That's all you're doing. It's redefined in the hyper-technological day of today. And so I then, and I just had this with one of my coaching clients today, I don't resist it anymore. I don't fight that. So when I identify what I'm afraid of, now, instead of saying, I'm going to go over this, under it, through it, around it, like I did to get up or get back up, I now say, stop, breathe. Let that energy go. I'm not going to create more negative energy. I'm going to let that energy go. I'm going to breathe. And then I'm going to remind, remember, and recollect my faith of the omniscient, all powerful that I am. And I'm going to figure out what's important to me by asking myself, what do I want? Who can I help? Who can help me? How best can I get that done? How best can I get the meetup done? How best can I coordinate everybody together for what used to take me five hours on a Friday? Imagine how much... For someone like me, five hours on a Friday's worth, personally and professionally, I now can do in one hour because I stopped, I dropped, and I rolled into what I want, who I can help, who can help me, and how best with the Sanford and Son setup can I get the same thing done that I used to get done in five hours. I'm giving you a very pragmatic, real example of why people procrastinate and feel overwhelmed, which is truly the indicators that you're not inspired or motivated. And I will tell you, coming from someone who had a single mom, I can't imagine just being a mom. And especially if you're a mom who runs a multi-million dollar business, deals with what... Yes, I can see where you're interfering with your inspiration and in feeling uninspired or unmotivated. Probably a great lesson. Jake?
1: All right, next up, whose question is you have, Neil? David, I'd like to talk about balance, right? Balance, so, good. I love the ferocious Buddha concept. But for me, like gratitude is for the present, faith is for the future. How do we keep our happiness in what we have now, but yet still be super
0: hungry about what we can pursue? I feel like that's really out of balance for a lot of people. Yeah, that's probably one of the most basic uh, conflicts in people's life the ferocious Buddha conflict. How do I allow things to happen? How do I surrender? Like Michael Singer wrote, in his book, how do I allow, how, but yet make things happen. The best way that I've learned to describe this is that you are a bag of beliefs. You are a bag of beliefs. And the beliefs that you have are what create what you do, say, think, and feel. And if what you're doing, saying, thinking, and feeling aren't aligned with where you want to be or better, then you're not going to get there. You're going to get to somewhere works, you're going to spiral exponentially, have outcomes that are not aligned with what you do, say, think or feel, of what you want or better. And so you talked about faith. One of the things about faith for me, it's just gratitude of the future. So I have gratitude for the past. most people do, or they can change the meaning, so it's so. But do you have gratitude in the future by saying, I'm a ferocious Buddha. I know the past is infinite and changeable. What do you mean change the past? You know how much of the past is perception? The defining moments of your life, the failure, setbacks, mistakes, successes, historical relevances are nothing but your perception, which is a meaning that you give it. So an infinite past exists full of defining moments and historical relevances, and you can change them infinitely and align them with where you think you want to be or better, and the future is infinite. Infinite. So you can Change that future day by day. You know what's not infinite? Today. And so when we talk about allowance, you need to have allowance or ease for the past and especially allowance or surrender. So when we surrender to our past, what are we doing? We're giving it the meaning that we want to give it, that is aligned with where we want to be or better. So if you're a big fuck up, excuse my language, I'm not sure I can say that, but if you're a big screw up and you've lost over $100 million, almost lost your wife and your life, you can give that a different meaning. And you can't care what other people give that meaning of what that was to them. If if giving my failures in my life, my mistakes that all of us have made, some in varying degrees according to your own judgment, if the meaning somebody else gives my past helps them get to where they want to be or better, good. It's none of my business. But my meaning's my business. <laughs> And I can't care what other people think or meaning that they give my past. I give it forgiveness and lessons, light and love and then align it with where I want to be. And so I am ferocious just today. Every day I'm ferocious. I've surrendered my past to a meaning that I want and I've surrendered my future by having gratitude and faith that even though I don't understand why I would lose everything, at the time that I lost everything, even though I don't understand that, I've surrendered to the fact that it's better for me. I've surrendered to it. I'm not wasting any money punishing myself or feeling punished by other people or feeling punished by Source God, Jesus, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, Buddha, whatever people do and I did, I just surrendered. But I'll tell you this, try to keep up with me today. I am a ferocious mf'er. I I am ferocious, try to keep up with me today. Proof is what I'm doing right now. Try to keep up, I'm a ferocious person. I'm a Buddha of the past and a Buddha of the future. I am Zen of the past and Zen of the future. But today I am thinking, saying, doing, believing and feeling everything I can to be productive, accessible and gracious. In the alignment of my future or better that I think I want in radical humility, knowing whatever does come is better for me, even though it may seem the complete counter opposite to what I thought I wanted. I wanted to be rich and then I was poor. How could being poor be the outcome that was better for me? When all I wanted to do, I thought I wanted to be rich, I felt I wanted to be rich, I believed I wanted to be rich, I said I wanted to be rich, and I did everything every day to be rich. How could that be better? Well, the linear man-made construct of time allowed me to see exactly how much better it is, which is why I'm standing today in a position of more money, helping more people, and having more fun. It's crazy. Great question, Jakey Bakes.
1: All right, let's go next to Brian. All right, Jakey's he's going to Brian. Yeah, thanks so much for doing this. This is just fantastic. Thank um, you. Can you talk about, most of us have visions, dreams. We're here for reasons like that. We've had some our stated, they're written down, 10, 20, 30-year visions and pictures, vision boards, all this stuff. And then we go to work, and then those things start to appear don't appear. How do you process when it's time to give up on one of those dreams? How do you, how do you raise the white flag and say, you know what? Maybe this one's not going to be my thing. How did, can you talk through how
0: you your yeah. So the question is, how do, we, how do we know when to quit? How do we know when to move on? How do we know when that business to close it or our profession to change it? So the problem that we have in man-made constructs is in the man-made construct of a the day, there's a start to the day and the finish of the day. In the man-made construct of the vessel, your human being, there's a beginning of your life as a human and a stop of your life. But in the context of when do we quit something, that's an infinite perspective. See, people think about things as starting and stopping or transitioning. I'm going to transition one day from being an NFL referee into the greatest sales trainer or coach or mentor of all time. Go Brian Neal. Right. Exactly. People are cheering him on here, by the way. So what, But what is he really doing? It's what athletes do and what military people do, the successful ones, is they expand. They don't transition or quit or stop. See, when you change a business, I've had many businesses, some have gone bankrupt. Some, the LLC has closed. The S Corp has closed. Some have run out of money, but there's a lot of capability Relationships that have expanded into what I was doing, saying, thinking, believing, and feeling next. And so for me, I try to take, especially military vets, athletes who have extraordinary skills, they have extraordinary knowledge of who and what, and they have unbelievable desire, which is the common denominator of all successful people that you cannot be in the military. Or a professional athlete, if you don't have a desire that you must be what you can be. In fact, when that common denominator, people ask me, what's the common denominator between the billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers that you have surrounded yourself with? It's the desire that you must be what you can be. Isn't that funny? That's the motto of the military. Be all that you can be. And who makes the best employees? Athletes and vets who have identified the skills, the knowledge, and desire, not identified with, I am a vet. I am a football player. That's a start and stop philosophy or perspective. I am an NFL rep. I am a doctor. These are all things that you have to train so long to be that you fool yourself into thinking that's what you are. You're not. I am happy. I'm healthy. I'm wealthy. Am I worthy? Do I have a law degree? Yeah. Have I run the you know, biggest phone division at Samsung. Yeah, have I been in the middle? Have I raised money? Have I coached, mentored, do a speaker, author, father? I am. I am. I am. I am. Because of my skills, my knowledge, and my desire, I'm expanding every single day. And I'm not going to be defined by my bank account or by the name of an LLC or by a degree or some great athletic accomplishment, which I can't identify with, but I tried. <laughs> See how it works? Think expansion. Think skills, knowledge, and desire. It will make all the difference. You'll stop limiting yourself. People do it all the time, especially when at in a glamorized, stuck position. Right? The greater you are, when you're an NFL referee who has refereed the Super Bowl, it becomes actually more difficult not to identify with. So we have to use that success to expand, not transition or start or stop. Jake? All right, we'll take a next question here. Let's
1: actually take a question
0: from TikTok. Here. Oh, okay, perfect. Thank you. Here's a TikTok question. So,
1: what would your advice be for a young person who started a clothing business and it's not going how they? Do
0: it? <laughs> question. That's a really that's. <laughs> wow, I love when I get questions I don't I couldn't even imagine happening that are specific. So, what do you do if you're a young person that started a clothing business and it's not working out the way that you thought it was? Number one, ask for help. The first thing I would do is find someone in the clothing business, whether they're young or old, who is sitting in a situation that you want to be in. Find Ryan Ellis, the CEO of Travis Matthew. Find Dan Fleischman, who started Who's Your Daddy. Find the blind zebra, the ferocious Buddha. Find someone that has a successful clothing business and ask them for help. Say, hey, what are you doing today? What do you like? What don't you like? Would it help you if I did this for you? But do you know anyone that can help me? Do you know anyone that can help me? I'm having difficulty with distribution, marketing, social, blah, blah, blah. Why pay the dummy tax? Do you know how many people are young and start a business and aren't where they want to be? The same amount of people that are old and start a business and aren't where they want to be. It's 100%. How could you be where you wanted to be? If that was the case, Elon Musk, Branson, uh, Zuckerberg, those guys would be on the, their yachts doing nothing. Why do you think they keep doing? Cause they're not where they want to be. And guess what they know that I know now and that you should know is they ask for help. Why do you think Richard Branson does the Nectar Island deal? You think he does it because he needs more relationship capital. You think he needs the 50 grand of all those entrepreneurs that pay 50 grand to go down there for three days. No, he's no dummy. He wants to cover his costs, maybe make a little bit of profit to pay more people to organize the whole thing and advertise the whole thing and do that. You know what he really wants? Help. You think I just come here to help you? No, I learned. Think about what I'm learning. I'm learning every single question, what people are listening for. I'm building relationships and learning, hey, I know what you do. Now I know where I can go for help when I you know, needs something. Oh, I know you're a, a life force doctor. It just came out in this question. He has a different perspective of how health works. Right? A world famous healer. Huh. You are aligned with my high level belief, but you specifically know how you can hold a light to a position in my body and change the cellular structure to put it at ease instead of dis-ease. That's super interesting to me. Now, it wasn't my original intention of doing these meetups. It wasn't my original intentions of coming on Clubhouse and Instagram and TikTok and StreamYard and LinkedIn and all the things I'm doing right now, but it's what I've learned from it. So ask for help. And if you want, everyone out there, I, I have built a template to ask for help. It's called an open-minded, open-ended question template. It determines one, if someone has an open mind, because I don't want you to waste your time because there's so many people that are available to us today that weren't when I was young. So everyone has millions of people available to them. So one qualify by open mind. Cause why waste your time with a closed mind? Cause statistically you're wasting a thousand times the time, energy, emotion. And then two, just ask somebody with an open mind, what are you doing that is involved with what I'm into? Is it solar? Is it health? Is it wealth? Is it happiness? What am I interested in? Hey, what are you doing today for happiness? What do you do today to work out? What do you do today for nutrition? Right, I five people my own age that are like super ripped or, or, you know, at least thinner than me. And I'm like, so what do you do? Because I know what it's like to be 55 years old. And somehow I work out more and eat less, but I gain more weight. So what do I do? And then I assess, hey, what do you do? What do you like about what you're doing? What don't you like about what you're doing? And then I come up with ideas that I'm doing and say, hey, would it help you if you you know, regulated, took a halftime on your biggest meal? Would that help you? No, but that's a good idea. Hey, do you know anyone that could help me? Because I'm really good at a lot of things and I'm teaching people a lot of things and I spend a minimum of an hour a day on my health, but I'm not getting the results that I want. Let me repeat that because that applies to the kid who started a pure business, right? Same exact question. I'm doing everything I can, but I'm not where I want to be. And I will tell you, there's very few things in my life that I'm not getting the results that I want. I'm never where I want to be because I have a desire that I must be what I can be, and it's infinite, and my potential is infinite, and I don't want to limit myself. But my progress or the outcomes aren't to the level where I want them to be when it comes to my nutrition. And I'm trying still to figure that out. So I keep on, and I'm blessed to be surrounded by like all of these amazing people that keep giving me advice, but it's really stemmed into a belief because I'm a bag of beliefs and I can't get over the scarcity of not having food. That's excuse me, right? It's weird. It's weird. 55 years old, I'm you know, very connected where these emotions come through me. But I know that I spent years worried about eating. Especially the good stuff. So it's hard when it's quantum in your nature to have an ego-based reaction. When someone, you go to these meals, surf and turf every night, I could have. And it's very, very difficult to say, Don't overeat. There'll be enough tomorrow. So take that example. Think about what you do in your life of a fear of the past as an example. And then what ego-based reaction or consciousness are you applying to that that you have to practice? Because those are the big ones. Those are the big ones for you. Those are the ones that limit you on your health, your happiness, your wealth, whatever it is. Excellent. I don't even know where we are time-wise. Jake, where are we? We're at 9.27,
1: we've got 33 minutes. Now. All right, cool. Who's next? So, um, people talk about smart goals, and then there's people that say, you know, 10X is better than 2X. I have a huge vision, how you balance the uh, practicality of smart goals with something that's really, really big maybe so big that you don't know where to
0: start. I love it. Yeah, so the question is, hey, what if I have humongous, outrageous goals and yet I' not where I wanna be and I don't know actually sometimes where to get started because the goals are so big. This is another common one and it's in the ferocious Buddha realm that when we understand the infinite nature of our goals, no matter how big your goal is, I can do this. Your goal, plus one why can i do that because the future is infinite so we want to keep plus wanting our goals but remember remind and recollect one thing that you are limited by today and that reconciliation and understanding that as big as my goals are of empowering over one billion people to be happy to create a collective consciousness in the world that will change the world as one middle-aged mutant turtle If I could do that, I still have to deal with the fact that I only have 24 hours a day. And so that's why being ferocious today by doing, saying, thinking, feeling and believing in that trajectory, by utilizing the man-made construct of time today, 24 hours, to be productive, to provide value, to be accessible and access what you want and gracious to continue to find the light, the love and the lessons in every person, place, thing and circumstance during just the day. In alignment where I want to be, trying to identify your fear of not having enough food when you were seven years old, to try to somehow change the meaning of my past, to align with the infinite possibility and potential that I have, it all comes down to being clear, balanced and focused today, giving attention. So what do I do? I start out my day by saying, what do I want personally, experientially, giving and receiving wise in alignment with empowering a billion people? who can help me empower over a billion people and who can I help in empowering over a billion people and how best can I get it done today? What can I do say, think, believe, and feel today in this 24 hour period, including my sleep in order to effectuate my humongous goal of empowering over 1 billion people. And then I prioritize my day. And then when shit happens that I don't, Expect, I reprioritize my day and I do it efficiently, effectively with statistical success because I know what's important to me today in the trajectory of where I wanna be in the future. And then I apply my why with the very first question that we were asked by getting up, getting back up, getting started, getting back started and figuring out what am I doing to interfere with my potential. Identifying the fear, fear of the past, fear of the future and then seeing what ego I'm prescribing to it I'm afraid of not having tomorrow's food. That sounds really silly. I don't even like to say it out loud, let alone get choked up in front of everyone. But I know, even by my own emotional state, that that is limiting me. My belief is a bag of beliefs that I'm not gonna have enough food tomorrow because of my defining moments, historical relevances, losses, failures, void shortages, and obstacles that I had to experience when I was young, is limiting my future. And it's not logical. It's emotional. It's not logical at all. I can tell you, I know that I have enough food for tomorrow. I know it. But that doesn't stop me from limiting myself. And so I want everyone to have these daily practices. Once again, like the open ended question guide, the daily practices I send out with my book to everyone and I practice them myself. My goal is because it's man-made constructive time that I'm given in order to effectuate my vision, my goal is to spend minutes and moments outside of that trajectory. Not days, weeks, months, and years, like I've had with the issue that I'm afraid I'm not going to have food tomorrow. Or there won't be enough food at the table today. That my share, right, so I'll eat really fast the good stuff and not give my body time to register how much I've eaten. I, I know it. And all of you know most of what to do but it doesn't stop you from being human and humans do one thing they're afraid and then they prescribe ego to it which interferes with their potential humans do exactly that they're afraid and they prescribe an ego that interferes with their potential even if it's not logical so then they do things, say things believe things feel things out of alignment and then they wonder why they're not where they want to be. Great questions, people's. Jake, speaking. To me. So David, talk to me about what you've about money. I, I, I know money is a mindset. and A lot of people who win the lottery go
1: bankrupt, or people don't understand what money can and can't buy you. So, what are the things that you've learned along the way in your journey? You so like people should know more about money?
0: So, I'm going to touch softly on this because this is what I'm talking about here. This is a Money Matters conference. And so, uh, I, I don't I, I want to save some emotional, like, wow, to it. But I will tell you that, first of all, money's an energy. So I spent a lot of time studying energy to understand money. And there's three characteristics of energy that are very applicable to money. One, energy, money, it aggregates on itself. So Bob Proctor, my mentor, he gave me a great piece of advice to help me overcome my fear of the past that there's not enough money. So many people have this fear. No matter how much money they have, they can't. just like I can't get over worrying about food, that there's not enough, I also have gotten over, after 50 some years, I've gotten over my fear that there's not enough money. For me. This, oh, I, I, I know I have at a quantum level. Notice I'm not choking up. I'm not illustrating the interference of that fear. I'm very certain there's more than enough money for everyone and because it's an energy. So Bob Proctor told me, Hey, put two, your goal should be put $2 million in the bank. And I didn't understand why he said, because when you do that will give you a positioning in order to effectuate shifting your energy about money, because there'll be no doubt. If you can put $2 million in the bank, There'll be no doubt that you have enough money for tomorrow. Enough for you. More than enough for you. But what I didn't know he was teaching me was when you start aggregating money, more money is attracted to that money. When you make more money, it's easier to make more money. You think when you make less money, it'd be easier to make more money. No, when you make more money, because money, ag- energy attracts more like energy. So $2 million in bank will attract another $2 million better than $0 in your bank. Two, you get exponential outcomes with energy. So money is an energy, and that's where Einstein was great with the rule of 72, compounding interest, Warren Buffett. Basically, Warren Buffett's entire premise of how he became one of the richest men on earth is the aggregation of money as an energy and the exponentiality of outcomes. And I'm sure he, because that's math and physics. Einstein understood it, Warren Buffett understood it. But the one aspect that all of us that learn those two lessons about energy, you can't understand until it happens, is it accelerates. So if it takes you a year to do something, it then takes you 11 months to double it, 10 months to double it, nine months to double it, eight months to double it, seven months. So all three of those things have a great positive impact when it comes to building wealth. Who here doesn't want their money to aggregate, compound exponentially, and accelerate? And money is energy. Whether you study physics, quantum physics, or metaphysics, energy aggregates, compounds exponentially, and accelerates. The universe is expanding under that principle. The universe is aggregating, compounding exponentially, and accelerating. That's what expansion is you are energy your beliefs are energy your behaviors are energy and money is energy that's why it's so important to utilize today in alignment where you think you want to be or better so that you maximize the aggregation the exponentiality of outcomes and the acceleration to where you want to be or better and when what comes to you is not what you thought you wanted that's where the gratitude of the future and the faith comes in it's like i want to be rich then why did i lose everything because the way that i was getting rich wasn't going to sustain itself. The methodology that I use today to make more money, help more people, and have more fun does sustain itself and it aggregates compounds exponentially and accelerates not just me, the whole. Jake, you want to reset the room?
1: Yeah, all right. Let's take a question from Ryan. i uh, most The number one thing to talk about you say what's the advice to being a student on your account
0: to so full on adoptive the working process buddy. me too
1: working process so, I love that. so you hear that and you say that be a student of your calendar everyone goes oh good idea and can you talk about the mechanics of what being a student under your counter can you actually show us you don't know, have to share your screen yeah. share your calendar but literally take us through the step by step here's what here's how to execute the concept of being a student of
0: your calendar uh, talking talk my love language the guy we have to change the book the fifth one time. Time's my love language because of what I can do with time. I can bend it. I can be productive with it. I can be accessible with it. And I can be gracious with it. I can live forever with it. Or I can limit with it the fear. So I talk about studying time, my love language. And I think the first step pragmatically that people totally misinterpret, and don't understand is the word study. Like I coach people, as you know, and they'll tell me, yeah, yeah, I studied my calendar. I looked at it yesterday. Oh, so you can look at your calculus book and pass the test. There's a reason they call it study. And I'll tell you why, because if you pay attention to and give intention to what you think you want or better, like a good grade on a calculus test, the coincidence is the karma occurs. It's called the mathematical equation of luck. So now I'm utilizing my love language, which has an amazing positive impact on my life to be productive, accessible, and gracious time. And I'm studying it. I'm studying it to get outcomes that are aggregating, compounding exponentially and accelerating better than what I can believe because I'm not as a person or a mind or brain infinite. So I need to utilize time as a mechanism in order to pursue my potential, not achieve it. And the more I pursue it as it aggregates compounds exponentially and accelerates, all of a sudden the separation of what I want or better occurs. It's amazing. So one, know what studying means, be disciplined in studying it. And that's where number one, I say that I'm practicing because I see areas where I wasn't paying attention or I didn't give it my intention. So what am I studying? Well, I believe you study three activities every day. Activities you have planned, (laughs) activities you don't have planned, which is more complex, and sleep, which is the easiest one. A third of your life is an activity called sleep, and nobody's paying attention or giving intention to it. They're living like tubes, food in, food out. They don't realize that sleep is there for not only recovery, which is not attained by most people on Earth. They wake up every morning more tired than they went to sleep, which is completely ridiculous. It's like eating and not... You know, getting full. But two, they don't understand the access that they get if they sleep properly. So planned, unplanned, and sleep, studying those three things as activities today in a trajectory of where I think I want to be in the future and aligning the meaning of, hey, I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough money. I'm afraid there's not going to be enough food. I'm afraid I'm going to be attacked. I'm afraid. These are all issues that people are afraid of that interfere with the aggregation, acceleration, and compounding of your future are better. It does. So I study it every day. Sleep is easy. Why? Because for 17 years, I said, if I'm going to really pay attention and give attention to sleep, I'm going to find the expert at sleep and ask them for directions, right? Just like the kid who wants an apparel company is not where he's at. Then planned. That's easy. When I prioritize my activity to planned, I prioritize first by my non-negotiables, my health, my family, my friends, and then my finance. And then I add one more, my time. So I have a non-negotiable that I'm gonna study time for a minimum of 10 minutes a day. To make sure what? That I'm studying my calendar, right? I'm actually putting a mechanism in there in what I do to do what I wanna do because I know the simple things to do are unfortunately simple not to do. And so when I'm studying that now, Where the real nuance comes in, I think sleep's really easy to to study. Then activity we have planned is also easy. It's the unplanned time that really gets in the way. Why? Because if you come up with a well-developed plan, God will laugh at you. He'll give you a flat tire. He'll make you uh, do something to expand you, accelerate you, and grow you. And so... I call it outwitting the universe. I study my unplanned time. So I know my non-negotiables are planned. I know my sleep's planned. I know what I have planned for the day, coaching calls, meetups, uh, speeches, whatever I'm doing that's planned. But I particularly pay attention and give intention to the 16 minutes I have in between this meetup and the next thing I have planned. Because that makes the difference. You know how they say, if you love what you do, well, what are you doing? Activities. Is sleeping an activity? Yeah, you're doing that. You know how they say, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life? I don't say that. I learned from Bob Parsons, the founder of GoDaddy. If you love what you do, it will tell you all its secrets. And if you keep doing what you love, it will tell you more secrets. And the longer you love what you do and do what you love, It tells you more secrets. And the unplanned time in your calendar, they're a repository of secrets, just like cheat codes in a video game. You know how easy video games are if you have the cheat code to level up? Has anybody ever done escape rooms and you can press the button and get the cheat code? You know how easy escape rooms are if you keep pressing the button? Well, the unplanned time, the unplanned activity in your calendar is like pressing the button in an escape room or it's a cheat code. So study it because it adds up to more than the activity you have planned when you start utilizing the unplanned time to not only lessen the interference that unplanned, you know, God laughing at you activities occur, but also what you can do to supplement the abundance that you're living in that causes people to be overwhelmed and procrastinate, which is there's more than enough options, opportunities and touches of favor in a day. I just don't have enough time. Yes, you do if you study the unplanned time and let it give you all the cheat codes on how to do six hours of, or five hours of a meetup, IG, TikTok, StreamYard, LinkedIn, all the things that I'm doing in one hour and capture it so it can be modified and amplified and perpetuated. Now, instead of you know the 50 people here and the 80,000 that were registered that will get the repay and the 10,000 that actually show up that did register, what about the millions that are gonna watch the little clip of the best of? You know how I'm able to do that? Because I study my calendar. Efficient, effective, statistically successful. I have the antidote to procrastination and feeling overwhelmed because I study my calendar. And I know how to prioritize the man-made construct of time to be ferocious, which gives me more ease that allows me to surrender with faith. Awesome. All right, Jake, go ahead. How much time do we have left?
1: We got 14 minutes left. All right. Daniel live here have a question that would like to ask? I know we got a lot of questions on right Instagram. Here. Oh. Let's, let's take a question on Instagram. Happy Friday, everybody. David, always thank you for taking the time. My question is, as you're going through all these travels and have so much activity that you have time let alone don't, what is the most valuable lesson that you learned this week?
0: I like this question always because uh, I myself have gone through days, books, weeks without thinking about what I'm learning. Right? I always say, you get so busy working, you forget to make money. And so I make a habit of codifying lessons from conversations, from business business development, whatever I'm doing, I'm trying to get takeaways. And it's funny because people ask me, what's the biggest lesson of the week? And it's a checkpoint for me of how much I actually am retaining. You know, we lie to ourselves. Oh, there's so many, you know, for me, I'm way better than most people. If I can get one takeaway of the week that I can remember and have implemented. And it's the bag of beliefs. So for me, my biggest takeaway stems from uh, a a book that I'm listening to from 1972 with a medium that's channeling her book. Uh, And I don't remember the name of the book that I'm listening to, even though I'm listening every single day for a minimum of 30 minutes to this book. But what I do remember in the book is that it talked about a bag of beliefs, and that's all you are, and how we apply these beliefs to upwards and downwards movement your beliefs determine what you do say and think your beliefs determine what you feel and the best thing about beliefs is you can change them you can change them so my takeaway is that why when we talk about trying to explain to people you know you can't find outside of you what you can't find inside of you yes exactly and i think bags of beliefs are the best way to describe introspective meaning That propels you, protects you and promotes you of what you do, say, think, believe and feel in the trajectory where you think you want to be or better. And so when I had that takeaway of this bag of beliefs, if I'm not doing, saying, thinking or feeling out in the trajectory of where I want to be or better, then I instantly have faith to go into my beliefs and search to find a belief that says, hey, man, you're not going to have enough food tomorrow. Hey man, you're not gonna have enough money tomorrow. Hey, you're not worthy because your dad left. See how that impacts where you're at. These simple beliefs that are subconscious or unconscious or quantum in your being, even though consciously it does not make sense. I have more money than I've ever had. I have more people that I help than I've ever helped. I have more fun than I've ever had, but I'm still afraid at a quantum level that I'm not gonna have enough to eat. That's just the truth. I've dissipated, I'm not worthy which was an issue that I found from my bag of beliefs, and I've completely disappeared the concept of zero sum that there's not enough money for me or everyone else. There is more than enough of everything for everyone. More than enough worthiness, more than enough food, and more than enough money. Where are your bags of beliefs interfering with the abundance and infinite nature of the unified, abundant system of thought, which you existed with your bag of beliefs? All righty, Jake, who's next?
1: Here we go, Blaine. So for the times you're feeling out of sync or not in
0: the flow, what's your strategy to kind of get back into the right mindset? Yeah, how do I get into the right mindset when I'm out of the ease, right? I We talk about flow. I think a lot of people can identify, especially here because there's so many doctors, you, you're born and exist in a state of ease. And so... What do I do when I feel dis-ease? Mentally dis-ease, physically dis-ease, spiritually dis-ease, emotionally dis Well, what I used to do is what most people do. Resist it, lie to it, cheat it, manipulate it, outlogic it, deny it, fight it. I don't do that anymore. I identify it. I identify the dis-ease by looking to see what fear first is creating it. Fear of a past or fear of the future. Then I see what I'm prescribing to the disease to either heal it or to exacerbate it. And it's an ego-based consciousness. Am I, do I have a need to be right, offended? Is it a need to be separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful? what what am i prescribing to the disease has anyone ever had a relative or a friend or herself that gets the wrong prescription well if you think doctors are giving wrong prescriptions out there all the time like oxycotton to heal a disease even though we know it doesn't heal a disease it exacerbates disease just think about when you haven't gone to undergrad and med school and a specialty and a residency on your own disease, what your statistical success is. So if you think you're prescribing something, I say there's only one prescription to disease. It's not fighting it, resisting it, overcoming it, lying to it, manipulating it, outlying it, cheating it. It's simply or denying it. It's just stopping breathing And reminding, remembering, and recollecting that you are part of that flow, Blaine, that you're part of the ease, and then roll into that ease. What do I want? Who can I help? Who can help me? How best to get it done? And reprioritize knowing with gratitude of the future or faith that you're part and parcel to an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing ease. An omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing ease and figure out what you're doing to interfere with it and then practice at a conscious subconscious and unconscious quantum level dissipating and dissolving the disease you can't get you can't fix your arm in one day that's it. your arm your physicality is a disease it won't heal in one day neither will your need to be right neither will your need to be offended neither will your need to be separate inferior superior it's not going to heal itself in one day so when we can put ourselves in the mindset of practicing Healing our dis ease, knowing that if doctors are not prescribing the right solutions to heal us after all that training and expertise that they have, how can you, with an emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical, how can you put yourself at disease? So, what can you do? There is one omniscient, all powerful healer. So, we can dissipate, dissolve, and disappear and practice what we're doing to interfere with it by understanding. What disease is the fear of the past or fear of the future, and then prescribing something different than the need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry. Instead, prescribe source to the disease. All right, last question, Jake. There we go, right here.
1: We got one from Sam, too. I'll go fast. We'll go here and then we'll go to Sam. Just curious what your unwinding routine looks
0: like. I love that. So, unwinding routine. First of all, what is an unwinding routine? It's putting ourselves in a position to recover and access. And so I have an unwinding routine. I always say my tomorrow starts today at 9 p.m. I unwind at 9 p.m. Pacific time, which is midnight here. Uh, But I unwind by putting myself in a position. So physically, no caffeine, no drugs, no alcohol, mentally, no challenging questions. Are there exceptions? Absolutely. I'm living my life in a balance. So there are exceptions. There's exigence things that happen. But, you know, if you are married, you will know this, that whoever your partner is, they love to bring up the most dis-ease or the conversations that create the most dis-ease right before you want to go to sleep. How healthy do you think that is? That's not, so that's not in my unwinding routine. I will gauge the importance of the dis-ease that's being presented before I go to bed, you know, so if my daughter calls crying because a boy broke up with her, I'm going to deal with that in the morning. She calls me crying because she has a flat tire and she's stuck in Bloomington. I'm going to go ahead and put myself at dis-ease for a little longer and make an exception. Remember the idea of plateauing and growing every day, you have to put yourself in that position and an unwinding routine is what will allow you to do that. Recover and access information to transcend to the next day to pursue your higher self or your potential. Do I have time for one yeah, quick one.
1: Three minutes here, you just
0: said. Huh? See how I am healthy, happy, wealthy, worthy. You're famous. Look at all these cameras.
1: I love it. David, what's a practical step that you take in your life to balance what you're just talking about between living in faith and surrender and then practicing action? yeah
0: so it's time like I tell you time is my love language time is the dependent variable of all matter so in the respect of today I'm gonna to be productive accessible and gracious with my time today in the trajectory of surrender how what does that mean to me it's I know today what I think I want in the future which is infinite but I am NOT attached My happiness to that outcome that I think I want. So if I want to be super rich and I end up bankrupt as an outcome, I use faith, surrender to say, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm going to allow time to teach me what I don't know. I'm going to repeat that I don't know what I don't know, but I'm going to allow surrender to time with faith, gratitude of the future that something better is coming, even though it is the complete antithesis of what I thought I wanted. I wanted to be rich and I'm now broke, bankrupt. How can that possibly be protecting and promoting me? Surrender is I've done everything. I've thought it, said it, done it, believed it and felt it to be rich. And now my outcome is poverty. And I still have faith that I have something to learn, and I'm going to allow and surrender to time to reveal the light, the love, and the lessons in what I thought I wanted or better to realize that bankruptcy was better than where I was. And it happens every single day. And the more we practice it, the better you'll be off. I got to jump. I want to thank everyone. Was that? I got one minute? Okay. um, To that end, uh, anyone... We had a great dinner last night here in Indy. And I want to encourage people. These meetups are incredible. We are traveling around. Uh, I'm here to be of service and of value. You want these guides, exercises, books. You want me to answer questions, make introductions, surround yourself with people with the right ideas. All right, everyone. As I always say, email me, david at dmelzer.com. Remember, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds.